You know what would be a great remake to do? Maybe not yet, but in the next few years. What's that? A remake of Liar Liar, where you change the main character from an attorney to a politician. <gasps> and this is brilliant. Holy It'd shit. It'd be great, right? Yes. This would be a cross between Liar Liar and I think it's called The Candidate. There's an old Robert Redford movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Is that, it's called The Candidate, right? I think so, yeah. Do a cross between Liar Liar and The Candidate and do it for today, and that would be absolutely brilliant yeah that would actually be really good oh that's actually yeah right like all of a sudden a politician has to tell the truth no matter what (gasps) you know i was trying to think of um this is actually really funny i was i didn't even make this connection until just now i just thought oh he'd be really good uh jeff daniels he would be brilliant at that holy shit I'm not even kidding. This is a really good idea. We should send that over. You know, I just tweeted to Not Movies no. that they have not released an episode in like six fucking months. I know. No, we're holding on to this one. No, hold on to this. Oh, really? Okay. No, I'm dead serious. Hold on to this. I'm going to think about this. This is really interesting. I'm going to hold on to this. You can put it on the podcast episode because then we have intellectual property. Okay. But you need to hold on to this. Got it. Yeah, this is ours. I think this is something we could actually develop into something. We could get someone to pretend to be Donald Trump. You'd be like, oh, God, I can't lie. You know what? Actually, I'm going to step out of the project due to creative differences. Everybody, welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and enjoy a delectable brownie. My name is Chris Treble. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. I'm so fucking hungry. I know. I am too. Wait a second. Hold on. Can I just pause a second? So you're not getting donuts? Is that what's happening? And a protein shake. It's better. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was better for you. My wife said she was going to go get donuts, and then she didn't. She had a protein shake and said, so I am donutless. Well, if you come over here, I literally live three doors down from a Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Dunkin' Donuts? Sir, I've described to you the type of donuts that I buy. I've evolved beyond Dunkin' Donuts, okay? (laughs) Yeah, you've evolved from Dunkin' Donuts into diabetes. But diabetes with class, okay? Let's see, what was the last donut I had? The last donut I had, it was a raspberry yuzu dosant, which is basically a cronut, but they can't say cronut. And then before it was a strawberries and cream cake donut. Both sound gross. No, they were delicious. You're wrong. You're just jealous. Sounds gross. No, you're jealous. I haven't had the chocolate stout in a while. Would you like a chocolate stout donut? Do they have that at your little Dunkin' Donuts? I don't think so. Okay. What does it taste like beer? That sounds terrible. I'm sorry. Did you, Andrew J. Dunn. Wait, am I right on that? Yeah. Andrew (laughs) J. Dunn. Did you just say that beer sounds terrible? Yes, I hate beer. Who are you? I've never liked beer. Fair enough. Well, actually, now that I'm thinking about, uh, I'm thinking back on all of our all of our drinking interactions, and I realized I've never seen you drink beer. Yeah, no, I hate You've it. Only gone for the hard liquor. Yep, I don't even like most wines. Is that why you gave it out for free at your baby shower? Yep. Still drinking it. Still going on. It's been like an entire week at this point. Yep. And I'm still <laughs> drinking this bottle of wine. 
right here. So, you know what we're here to talk about today, Andrew? We're here to talk about something important. And that would be... Fire safety. Yes. <laughs> we're going to do a fire drill here, <laughs> live, on the podcast. Great. I want you all to participate. If you're listening right now and you're in your place of work, we're going to do a fire drill. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care that other people aren't doing the fire drill around you. You're going to get stop, up. Quick, stop, drop, roll. <laughs> Make your way to the nearest exit. Oh no, your coat's on fire. Throw it on the ground and jump on it. Oh no, your coworker is on fire. Please put them out. <laughs> Quick, dump your hot coffee on them. It's the only way to save them. Locate the nearest fire extinguisher. This is very important. We need to go over fire extinguisher safety. First of all, pull the pin. Pull the pin now. <laughs> Before it's too late. <laughs> oh god. It's worth it's worth the lawsuits if somebody actually followed through with this. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and all day today, wherever you go, you have to check to make sure the door handles aren't too hot. You should also check if all the fire alarms are actually working, so go ahead and pull that right now. God. Oh, those sprinklers? I don't know the last time they've been tested. Pull out that Zippo that you have in your pocket. Just light her up, baby. And if you don't have a Zippo, hit it with a hammer. <laughs> right. Uh... Sometimes you get the feeling that we're the only ones that find us funny. Yeah, I mean, I do sort of low-key think that. Low-key. That's what we were talking about. Oh, man. Just look at that segue. It was so <laughs> seamless and beautiful. Unbelievable. Anyway, yes, we're going to be talking about Loki today. So in our quest to cover everything that's going to be coming out on Disney Plus in this year... Uh, we're going to talk about, this is the last one that we got to talk about, actually, for the Disney Plus stuff. Uh, and that is Loki. Now, Loki got, just like the other three, the other two, sorry, there are three total. The other two got... Wait, 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 little... wait, 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 Oh, Jesus. Are you forgetting about Hawkeye? I am forgetting about Hawkeye. You know why? Because it, I'm sorry, I'm talking about the other three that uh, damn it i'm doing it again the other two that were in the super bowl commercial if you had let me finish my sentence you would have realized uh, what i was talking about uh-huh. no i never for, would yeah. never forget about uh-huh. hawkeye how could i yeah he's the right. it's the best talk right. show since oprah <laughs> so loki got a little time in the super bowl ad which i didn't bring up on the last news episode because i i figured we were going to talk about it here but so we have actually had some some footage come out from loki just a little bit i think it was about two seconds worth but it's enough to base an entire episode on and i think we can probably stretch this out for a good hour hour 15 based on that that two second clip what do you think andrew you think so i think so i think we should actually try to do 20 to 30 minutes and then we can talk about the reading assignment oh that's right we forgot about the reading assignment excellent fantastic so let's start in on loki do you because you typically end up doing this do you want to start off with the history of loki or do you want to talk about the series first i mean there's so much in like what loki has done in the past like million years that like it's kind of hard to pick a specific thing he was created by writer Stan Lee, scripter Larry Lieber, and penciler Jack Kirby. A version of the character first appeared in Venus number 6 in August 1949, and the modern-day incarnation of Loki first appeared in Journey into Mystery number 85, which was October uh, 1962, so like 13 years later. 
before we got like the version we know. Interesting. In 2009, Loki was ranked as IGN's eighth greatest comic book villain of all time. And in 2014, he was ranked again by IGN, this time fourth greatest comic book villain of all time. Fascinating. Yeah, so that's a little, that's a very, very quick history. I mean, if you go, like, I checked out his Wikipedia page and I was like, yeah, I'm not going through this. Right. It's like a million pages long. Yeah, because he's gone in and out of a million titles. Right. And like, yeah, there's so many, there's so much you can do with, like, with Iron Man, you know who Iron Man is. With, you know, Captain America, you know who Captain America is. But like, Loki can be basically anything that you want him to be. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's kind of the beauty of the character. And and I think which is going to possibly serve this series well is that you can use this character and utilize him in a number of different ways. He's almost like, I think he's almost like the Joker in that way and that you can make him extremely demonic and evil yeah. and really ruthless and uh, kind of satanic in, in certain ways. Or you can make him very playful and fun and just kind of whimsical and almost impish, depending on what you want to do. And it all kind of fits within the character. And they've done a good job in the movies of yes. sort of covering the, yeah. the whole gamut. Tom Hiddleston does a great job of just like... So, like it, it makes it a very interesting, mysterious character because he's all of these things. He is both impish and comical and sort of spry and fun but he's also like a total bastard at times and like has real emotional subtext like constantly yes well that's the other thing is that the thing that Hiddleston's really brought to it that thing that they have I think they've hit on screen that I don't know now I haven't read a whole lot of stuff with Loki in it but I don't know that they've really hit in the comics is the the kind of underlying thing of there's a driving force to Loki on why he's doing this. And also the idea that he's kind of someone who hates himself. Like that's, that's the type of uh, performance that I feel like Hiddleston has been giving is that Loki over the, over the course of the MCU started off as just kind of two dimensional and then found a third dimension within himself and kind of almost doesn't like what he's become, but he can't help himself. And he's driven by this, idea of like i don't i'm so angry and i don't know where to put this energy and that has kind of made it interesting to watch like i don't know where i belong yes that's what i mean yeah 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 there's that i mean because there's a thing that scene in ragnarok where they're in the elevator and thor is having a conversation with him and he's like you know but you became you and i became me and that's it and there's that moment where thor says that where they hit on loki and it's like you kind of feel for loki because you feel like he knows that and he wants to do better but can't bring himself to do it which is really interesting that's really interesting too because tom hiddleston was originally up for the role of thor and loki his big thing Uh, have you seen that audition tape by the way yeah it's real weird (laughs) it's it's real brilliant yeah i don't know it's not great like i don't know what they were thinking with that there's no way he could have played thor listen you never know until you put them out there and this is and hiddleston did exactly what he was supposed to do like he went in there and he gave it his all and honest to God, like, that's all you can do. And Hiddleston, I would say, that's not even a bad audition. It's just he's not, he's a better Loki than he is a Thor. If they had mo-capped him, he could play Thor. Ooh. It's really just the way he looks. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have that rugged, he looks a little more debonair. Yeah. You know, Thor needs a ruggedness to him that, that Hiddleston doesn't bring. There's been a rumor slash push for him to be the next James Bond, which actually, 
I don't think would be a terrible thing. I think he could pull that off really well. No, I could see that. But it's interesting that he was first up for that role and didn't get it because Loki has always wanted to be the heir to the throne. Right. Even though he knows that that's Thor's title. That's his role. Yeah. So that's an interesting, that it's true. It's something, it's a parallel that I never even actually put together. So for the series, I think this is going to be interesting because like we said, you can kind of play this character any sort of way. And there's not a whole lot we know. It's going to probably play off uh, from the rumors and the, and the little tidbits that I've read it's going to play off a little bit of kind of the jumping off point is that that moment in Endgame when he disappears with this the, with the Tesseract. Right. Well, and the interesting thing about that is that so you have all these incredible moments between him and Thor and Loki's grown so much as a character and he's become a much more likable character. You don't have that anymore. This is the Loki from Avengers 1. Right. Right. That's true. So we don't have any of that development anymore, so it could go any direction. We don't have uh, Thor 2. We don't have uh, him from Infinity War or Ragnarok or uh, well, I guess he wasn't in Endgame. But like all we have is Thor 1 and Avengers, and that's it. That's actually a really good point, and I actually did not even think of that until you mentioned it, that, that you're resetting the character in a way. So you could see him essentially, and I'd be willing to do this, you could see him go through that entire journey that we talked about over again, but in a different setting, in a different way. Right. Or go the opposite direction. Or go the opposite direction. You you find this person kind of figuring their way out in the universe and how to deal with what they're feeling. They have to now deal with their... I mean, the, I feel like, and we, we kind of just touch on it, the whole journey of Loki is him trying to feel his way through of dealing with these emotions and dealing with this anger that he's feeling about not being the chosen one, not being Thor, not being worthy, all that stuff. And so you watch him have to do it, but now you're watching him do it on his own, which could be really interesting to watch. It's also going to be very interesting to see him be 10 years younger for a whole show. Yes and no, because with the age of Thor and Loki and Asgardians and everything, it's always kind of relative. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. But I just mean like Tom Hiddleston. Like, are they going to... Like, I know he doesn't look super different, but, like, are they going to try to do some de-aging or makeup or I feel or like, what? no. They'll probably touch him up with makeup and call it a day. I feel like they'll be like, he doesn't look that different, and let's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why why go to all that effort? If it, it's not like a Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, X-Men 3 type of thing, where they're trying to make it seem like he's 40 years younger. Right, right, right. He hasn't changed, you're, like you said, he hasn't changed that much in 10 years. And honestly, I think people are going to be like, I mean, it's one of those details you don't think about until you really are thinking about it. I think you'll, they'll, they'll kind of glance over it. I'm curious about the prison uniform that he's in. Yeah. And I was trying to think about this as much as humanly possible because this is about two seconds worth of footage. Like I said, I feel like that's a ruse. I feel like he's in that prison for a reason. But it's not, people are like, oh, he's imprisoned in somewhere. I'm like, he's not really imprisoned in somewhere. I think he's playing a trick on something. And he's making it look like he's imprisoned somewhere. What do you think is going on there? First, let's start from the beginning. Okay, go. So the only thing we absolutely know 
There's only a couple things. The main thing we know is that the show will explain what happened to Loki uh, in the rift caused by Ant-Man and Iron Man in Avengers Endgame. Uh, Loki fucks off with the Tesseract, now he's jumping through space. The official synopsis says... The show follows Loki as he, quote, pops up throughout human history as an unlikely influencer in historical events. So we know Tom Hiddleston is Loki, and we know Owen Wilson has been cast in a, quote, significant role, but we don't know what. And there are rumors that... Uh, I'm going to get this person's name wrong. Please do. Gugu Mbathara, who was in The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, Black Mirror, A Wrinkle in Time, and Beauty and the Beast, the live-action version that she is in it, and there are now rumors that Sofia DiMartino, who was in Flowers yesterday and Into the Badlands, is in it as well. People are expecting she may be playing Loki's female form, um, which is something he has done a ton of times in the comics. Oh. He, just turns in, he has a female version of himself. Ooh, sexy. But no one knows who Owen Wilson is going to play, but one of the rumors, one of the thoughts, is that he may be playing the villain, Kang the Conqueror. Now, Kang the Conqueror is the head of something called the Time Variance Authority, or the TVA, which is written on Loki's prison uniform. Really? The Time Variance Authority was first introduced in Thor number 372 in 1986 by Walt Simonson. The agency's job is to monitor timelines, the multiverse, and time travel, and prevent individuals from disrupting the natural order. Wait. Pause for a second. Sorry, one second. Yes. I just picked on something you said. There, uh, go back. Their job is to... Say it again. Their job is to what? The agency's job is to monitor timelines, the multiverse. The multiverse. Uh-huh. Yes. It's, which they have said that Loki is going to be the other series that plays heavily into Doctor Strange 2. Absolutely correct. And the multiverse of madness. Multiverse... Of Methuselah. Yeah. Mr. Megorium's Multiverse of Madness. Interesting. Okay, go on. I'm just, uh, as you're reading this, I'm like putting threads together. This character, they've said it's a significant role. If Kang, Kang the Conqueror is the villain, then uh, it could be played by Owen Wilson. That might make sense. He'd be a weird choice for it, but, um, you know, they're doing all sorts of weird shit over at Marvel now. So here's the other thing. You know what Kang the Conqueror's real name is? No. Nathaniel Richards. He is Reed Richards' descendant from the future. Really? So this could introduce the Fantastic Four in a way. Ah. Do you think... Because we talked about this briefly on another episode as far as mutants and X-Men. and th Oh, we talked about this with uh, WandaVision on how it could possibly introduce mutants, but we don't think they would. Do you think that Fantastic Four is a property that they would introduce in one of the TV shows as opposed to... Saving it for the movies. No, but in fact, this is another reason why I think it might be Owen Wilson who plays him. Because TV shows and movies have tend to have a hard time switching people from television to film or vice versa. And granted, we're mostly growing out of that recently, but it still exists. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you get a movie star to play a character in television, it's because you want to have an easy transition later. So like they could introduce the Fantastic Four later by bringing Nathaniel Richards back, like removing him from Loki and putting him in an MCU film. Right, right. Oh, that'd be a that'd be a good move on Marvel's part. That's really interesting. So you're saying like that would basically just be an Easter egg almost in the series. Yes. But they'd hold it in reserve so that they could play that card later on 
in a movie. Could even be a, like a post-credit scene in the last episode of Loki, where he's like, I've got to find my great-great-grandfather, Reed, you know, or something like that. Right, 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 right. Interesting. I did not even put that together. Isn't there, there's another rumor. Let me see if I can find it. There's another rumor that Owen Wilson was going to play someone else. So there's a rumor that the other, other than Kang, the, the conqueror, that he could be Rick Jones. Rick Jones is a character in Marvel that has kind of popped up in and out of Marvel throughout the years. He first actually got started in the Hulk, where what happens is in the original origin of the Hulk, the way that Bruce Banner gets exposed to gamma rays is that a teenager is driving their car like through where the bomb is going to go off. And Bruce Banner runs out there to divert them away from danger. And then it gets exposed to gamma rays and becomes the Hulk. And Rick Jones has kind of been that type of character throughout Marvel where he kind of pops in and out. And he's kind of there for these certain events but he's never the main character. And there's a rumor that Rick Jones could make an appearance in this series with Loki in that kind of regard, where he's just kind of there in some sort of way. Which, honestly, when I heard that, I was like, that fits a Luke Wilson type. No, I'm sorry. Not Luke Wilson. <laughs> fits an Owen Wilson type of character. At least I got the right family. I will give me that. Let's Let's all just... The fact that I got the right family and just the wrong brother is still impressive. Um, uh, the Rick Jones character could actually fit Owen Wilson really well. So I could actually see that being the character that he plays. Okay, he's the same age as Mark Ruffalo. With some minor adjustments, I'm saying, okay? With some minor adjustments. I'm, I'm not saying they're ripping it straight from the pages. I'm saying it's a possibility. He's just another guy. He's just a dude. Like Owen Wilson comes riding in. He's a dude that just barrels in. into weird man. situations. Grown man Owen Wilson comes riding his bicycle through. Right. And grown man Mark Ruffalo is like, wait, you got to go somewhere no, else, listen, man. I'm saying, the, I'm saying what happens is this is a guy who just barrels his way into situations and f- somehow he finds himself in extraordinary circumstances. And through those extraordinary circumstances, he has found himself cast in a marvel series see you thought i was talking about rick jones but i turned it and it turns out i was talking about yeah, owen wilson yeah, you see what was, i did there it was brilliant see what i did yeah that was pretty good right that was pretty creative i was pretty proud of myself on that one that was pretty good you want to move on what are we still talking about well, i was still I talking was actually about gonna say you know who'd be great for that to play that character rick jones is uh paul rudd he'd be fantastic He'd be great. You know how old Paul Rudd is? As old as Mark Ruffalo? Same age as Mark Ruffalo, yes. Yeah. I I don't know if you know this, but if you check, everyone is the same age as Mark Ruffalo. I actually went to um, who's the same age as Mark Ruffalo.org. Ooh, how's that? It's all porn. Really? So the, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, what were we talking about? Oh, Owen Wilson. So that's, uh, he may be playing King the Conqueror, but yeah, I think, I, you know, he's not a great choice for it. So I think there are definitely other better roles that he could play in this series. Uh, the show is also rumored to have a budget of $25 million per episode. Ooh. How much of that do you think is going to Hiddleston? $26 million per episode. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure most of that is probably Hiddleston's paycheck from going from movies to television. 
And then they probably had enough left over to buy a microwave for craft services. <laughs> Here's the big question I have for you. And this is something I have not been able to find an answer to anywhere. And maybe I'm just missing something. Oh, that's 100% true. But the plot of this movie is that Loki is jumping around through time, right? Mm-hmm. What stone is the Tesseract? It's not the time stone. It's the... It's not the power... It's not the... Is it the... Is it the Mind Stone? No, you asshole. It's the Space Stone. It's the Space Stone. It is. Yeah, because remember, that's how, what's his face, Scully McGee gets to the planet. Right. And at the end of Captain America 1, he grabs the Tesseract and then he ends up on the Soul Gem planet. So is Loki, does he take the Tesseract and steal the Time Stone? Is that what's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't really know. No one is questioning this. Well, I mean, what? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Maybe he does. He could. I mean, with the space stone. But then he's two infinity stones. This is, yeah, that's a fair point. I don't really know how to explain that. Let me call Iger. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get on the horn. Oh, please do. And see what he says. Yeah, saying. I'll wait. Yeah. I went to voicemail. This is so embarrassing. He never answers his phone when I call. Hey, Bob. Uh, Dribble. Um, I got a couple questions about Loki. Uh, also, you left... The last time you were at my place, you left that thing. You know what I'm talking about? Um, so if you want to come by and, and pick it up, that'd be fine. I would not... Don't send an assistant this is not that type of thing so you want to come by yourself but um um all right uh love to you know wife and kids and blah 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 blah. i'll talk to you soon we'll do dinner we're, we're gonna i'll see you at the thing anyway all right later bye i don't know if he's gonna get back to us but that then. joke was not worth the time that you spent on it no it was i want my three minutes back no well you can't have it back unless loki is the time stone Brought it back around, killed it, crushed it. I'm a professional. But like, so the the ancient one has the time stone at this time, right? Yes. Yes, she does. Or the Hulk does, depending on what exact moment, right? Because she gives the stone to him. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you. Stop prying me. I don't know what you want from me. What do you want from my life, Andrew? I don't have the answers. He's definitely not going to have the know-with-all to be able to use PIM particles. Oh, boy. Are you, gonna, are you literally going to figure this out in this moment? Look, man, I think about this stuff. That's why I'm able to talk about, like, the Time Variance Authority or whatever the fuck they're called and Kang the Conqueror and Reed Richards and all that bullshit. Hey, that's pretty good, I will say. The fact that you that you pulled that off. I, I mean, may, but maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's not the Time Stone. Maybe it's he has the um, space stone, which allows him to bop around. But obviously, time travel plays into this. So, Kang the Conqueror or that the time organization, what is it called again? I don't know. The Time Variance Authority. Right. Thank you. The Time Variance Authority. Maybe he tries to go and steal something to go through time. He has space. He needs time. He tries to get something from the Time Variant Authority. They catch him. He kidnaps him. Here's an idea. What if he already has the ability to travel through time, but he can only do it forwards 
and at the speed that time moves. Mm. But how about this? What if he has the ability to move through space, but he opens up a food truck in Brooklyn? How about that? What if that's the whole thing? I would watch the shit out of that show. <laughs> right? I know. Right? And then it comes together because that's where they go for the shawarma. <gasps> Boom. I am burdened with glorious service. Oh, man. That would be good. That would be really good. Yeah. So hopefully it's not just he has the Tesseract and all of a sudden now that allows him to travel through time, but uh, I put some trust into them. I would say Marvel is usually good on the details. I'm pretty sure they won't just shuck that off. Loki is supposed to be released in spring of 2021 and it will have six episodes and that's it. Ooh, that's a tight run. I didn't realize it was that few. Yeah, man. That's a really tight run. Yep. Interesting. Does it say how long the episodes are? No, it doesn't. Okay. So, I mean, but at most, it's going to be six hours. That's it. That's a tight run for that. Well, it might be longer. Like, if they decide to Sherlock it, they could each be an hour and a half. Right, sure. Although, that doesn't feel like Disney Plus's MO. It doesn't, no. Yeah. All right. So, this series is going to be directed by Kate Heron, who also did Sex Education and Daybreak. She hasn't done anything I've seen or really heard of, but those are her two biggest things. And the head writer is Michael Waldron, who's known for Harmon Quest and Rick and Morty. Ooh. So that's going to be interesting. Now, man. Well, here's the here's the thing. Before everyone's like, oh, Rick and Morty, that's a comedy. And da, 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 da. here's the thing. First of all, actually, two points. As we just talked about on the last episode, uh, Joe and Anthony Russo got their start on Community. And they directed Endgame, the most successful movie of all time. Two... The one thing, and I think we've talked about Rick and Morty on this show before, because we both love it. Other than it being hilarious, the one thing that Rick and Morty has it going for is that they know story structure better than I think anyone on television. Like Dan Harmon is, and, and the people he gathers around him know how to do story structure. So if this is six episodes, that is going to be a tight six six episodes, but they're going to be, they have crafted a story that fits exactly into that amount of time. So that makes it really interesting. Yeah. The other thing it has going for it is um, it's like hyper creative. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Which is exactly the kind of thing you want when you have Tom Hiddleston jumping from time period and dimension to other time period and other dimension. Right. They know how to juggle a lot of balls in the air on that show. They know how to like keep and also kind of divert your attention over to this direction while this thing's going on. And then they bring it back when you least expect it. They know how to do all of that. It is it is a Rick and Morty, and this is now a plug for Rick and Morty, but Rick and Morty is like a half hour comedy, but with the structure of an hour long drama, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Actually, now knowing that, it makes it even more interesting to me to watch the show, as if I wasn't already in the bag already. All right. And that is everything we know about Loki. Fantastic. You want to move on to the reading assignment? Do I? Okay. I'm I'm very interested. So, uh, do you want to go over what I what I gave you for this last reading assignment? Do I? You didn't read it, did you? I read the covers. You son of a bitch. I did. I read it. I just realized I should have been prepared. You gave me Batman White Knight which is uh, written by Sean Murphy. Art is also by Sean Murphy. 
And then uh, letterer and colorist are Todd Klein and Matt Hollingsworth, respectively. It's good. There are there are things. Give him a quick plot synopsis, like just the the sure the um yeah yeah inciting incident, as it were. So the very first thing you see is the Batmobile pulling up to Arkham Asylum, and a uh, like clouded figure, a mysterious figure, gets out of the Batmobile uh, in like a long cloak of some kind and walks inside and opens a, a cell door and Batman is in the cell and then it cuts over and who is the individual who got out of the Batmobile? None other than Jack Napier who was once the Joker. And then we go back in time and we see how the events previous to this took place that made all this happen and then we start to move forward into the future to see what happens after this right there's a lot so this is basically a story about how batman forces drugs down the joker's throat to cause him to not be the joker anymore sort of he doesn't know that's gonna happen right right but right, it's, right. it's what ends up happening right there's a lot in this and it's it's very there's a lot of troubling stuff there's a lot of stuff where like Batman and Superman, like, I think I, I may have shown you this video. Maybe you didn't, maybe I didn't actually show it to you, but I def, I've talked about it on the, the show. Ben from Canada is a great vlogger and he has an episode, like a 20 minute long video on why Civil War is the best Captain America movie. And part of it is that the great thing about Captain America stories is that usually in a storyline, the main character evolves, he changes, mm -hmm. there's an arc that happens. Captain America doesn't change. The world changes around him. And Batman and Superman are both similar characters to that. Batman is always infallible. Like, that's one of the constants. Mm. Superman is always doing what he thinks is right. And Batman is... He's losing his edge in this a lot. And sometimes I feel like it's not... that Like, you're not supposed to feel like that's what's happening. Like, it's supposed to be up for debate. Like, there's a lot of times where, like... Um, Nightwing is like, you're losing your touch, old man. And Batman's like, no, I'm not. I'm as good as ever. And it's like, well, sure. you know, who knows what the truth is? And it's like, no, Batman is losing his touch. <laughs> like, he is just like doing all sorts of wrong shit to the point where like, yeah, you're like, maybe we should give this Jack Napier guy a chance, which is interesting. And, and like, there's two Harley Quinns all of a sudden. There's there's a lot that happens. The like density of this storyline is is very high. Right. And uh, oh, by the way, we're gonna spoil the shit out of all of this. Um, I know we always do, but if you're a new listener, I'll, I'll say it first. It's probably worth a read. Mm -hmm. it, I, I would say it's worth even buying. Like, if you can buy the trade paperback, oh yeah, like, find it used for like ten bucks. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's worth going through. It's interesting. There are a lot of points in it that date it, which I don't like. Okay. Like Jack Napier starts like running for political office and starts talking about the 1% and how, you know, the 99% in Gotham deserve the redistribution of wealth. And I was like, well, this clearly came out after Bernie Sanders ran in 2016. And yeah, it was like two years later. Right. Yeah. I think it came out like 20, I want to say 2018. Yeah. Yeah. 20, uh, it started in 2017, but it was like the tail end. Right. Yeah, I, I think the thing that appealed to me about it, and the, the reason that I wanted to give it to you is that when I read it, I remember feeling that, you know, in comic books, it's been said that what's interesting about them is that typically in a story, you have a three-act structure. You have a first act, a second act, and a third act, right? And comic books take place all in the second act. 
And this was one of those stories that I was like, this is a third act story. It feels like it could be the last story. Um, and those always kind of appeal to me uh, that this could be because it's not in the the actual continuity because it's kind of removed. It's a it's a, a hypothetical story, as if you will, that it feels like the third act, and you didn't you don't know where it's going, uh, which is is always appealing to me because I'm I'm always looking for that story that you're like, well, now I really have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, I'll definitely give it that. There were some moments, like even like halfway through, I was like, I don't know if I like this. A lot of it's either predictable or like, especially right at the end, there's a lot of stuff like, um, like Batman is reading Alfred's, you know, his, his like death note to Nightwing and to Barbara Gordon. And it's like, I know that you waited a long time to read this, and he had, and I know that you are finally reading it um, with, you know, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon by your side because you've learned the importance of friendship. You know, it it was a lot like, uh, are you really going to write that? It, like, worked out too well. Yeah, exactly. And and then uh, there were other things like that, too, that that sort of have. There was one moment where, like, um, Harley Quinn is being chased by the GTO, and she's like, uh, someone's like, oh, is it the Batmobile behind us? And she goes, no, it's five of them. And then it pans over and it just looks like five black cars. <laughs> like they don't look like the Batmobile right, at all. But if you look carefully, actually, some of those are what I, this is what I actually appreciate. Like there were nods to as if this was almost an extension of the 89 Batman. Yes, there was universe. one, but that one wasn't there yet. I was getting, I was getting to that, which, uh, so let, let me actually lead into that. Go for it. So yeah, it's just like five regular black cars, but like what turned me around is the scene that happened right after that. So they're talking about how they're going to do an EMP, but in order to do an EMP, they need a car that is like entirely analog. And they're like, well, do we have one of those? And Dick Grayson is like, no, but I can steal one. And I had no idea what where that was going. And then, yeah, it cuts. And, th- like, this whole scene was so brilliantly written and, uh, and illustrated. Because, like, I'm like, oh, holy shit, it's the 89 Batmobile. That's so good. And then it cuts in and I'm like, who's in it? And it's like, oh, it's Jim Gordon. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, like, while I'm freaking out about that, I realize, wait, he's blindfolded. It's on autopilot. What the where the fuck could this possibly go? And I'm I'm setting myself up to be let down now. Like, I'm like, there's going to be something stupid that they do that he doesn't actually need to be blindfolded. It doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, they blind Batman because he's in a tank. Like the only thing you can really do is make it so that he can't drive his car and it works perfectly. It makes perfect sense. And like, they totally picked me up from then on. I was like all in and basically nothing they could do was going to set me off. Like there's no bad thing that could have happened in the comic after that, that would have put me off from it because I just was like, Oh, that was such a good scene. Um, and I, I actually had the thought, like, can you imagine going to see the Batman with Robert Pattinson and like, let's just say Michael Keaton is playing a character in that movie and you never see the character's name. Like you never hear the character's name or know who that character is. But then like, there's a reference to like, Oh, I've got some old, uh, some old auto parts. I think I'm going to break out. And then like an hour later in the movie, the fucking 89 Batmobile comes out. I would lose my goddamn mind. Yes. Yes. That's I, I will say that was one of the things that really appealed to me about this about this series about this story is that 
They have these little, they, it starts off kind of like little nods. I mean, Jack Napier is obviously a pretty big nod, but it starts off like little like, oh, that's an interesting parallel. Da, da, da. And then it, at some point, they kind of like turn and they're just like, nah, we're going to go balls to the wall with it. 89 Batman, uh, Batmobile. Here it is right there. No getting around it. This is what it is. Unapologetic. Yeah, unapologetic. And it's unapologetic about like every little nod to Batman's past in every type of media possible. Right. Like those fu- the, the bunch of Batmobiles that are driving around, if you look, they're all different Batmobiles from the ages. They're just like, no, we're going to go ball to ball. And again, that kind of gave it that third act feeling of like, we're going to take everything that we've ever had, put it into this because it's the last time you're ever going to see it anyway. Yeah. I mean, what a great moment. I think if nobody ever steals that scene to put in their Batman movie, they're doing their film a disservice. Yeah, that's a, that's I would 100% agree with you on that to bring the idea of like, yeah, all of it's included. Grant Morrison has done that in his run before they relaunched Batman. He was like, no, you know what I do? That's his take on the character is that. He's like, no, the characters, the whole arc of the character, it's all val- valid. It's all just, you're watching the story of a man grow up. So it starts off really dark and brooding because he's mourning his parents' death. Then he discovers this young boy and he had no childhood. So the young boy brings out the boy in him. And that's why in the 50s and 60s, it was more colorful and young and vibrant and everything like that. And then in the you know 70s and 80s, as he grows to become a man, he gets a little more dark and brooding. And da, 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 da. It's all relevant. It's all the story of one man. It's all included in there. And that's what I like about this story is they're like, nah, it's all in there. Everything is in there. We're starting a little bit in the future. And so it, you don't know where you are. It's not the full continuity. It's not the Batman. It's not the movie continuity. It's all in there. And we're going to pick and choose what we want and throw That's it all right. in. That's right. We've got the Tumblr. We've got the Bat Cycle. We've got the Bat Nipples. It's all there. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah, that's what I love about it. It's like, they're just like, nah, everything is in there. Whatever you want, it's all included. It's a convergence of every aspect of Batman that you've seen on page and screen. It's all there. And this is like the last Batman story you'll ever have to read. Interestingly absent, Catwoman. Yes, I will note that. Yeah, but there is now a, um, there's actually a sequel series to this called Curse of the White Knight. So this is a universe that they're, experimented with going on in the future um i don't think catwoman is in that one either yet but it's not done the run isn't done yet so you never know um but i'd be interested to see them incorporate more of the characters in just to see what they like where they've ended up where they've what they're up to one of the other things at the end that i felt was a little too like putting a button on it at the very end was uh it turned out the twist was that it was Harley's idea all along or whatever. And I was like, that doesn't work. Right. That's not, that can't be a thing. Right. There, there's a lot of like, well, I knew that yeah, like, I'll give Batman that. has a lot of those too, where he's like, like the thing that makes a good Batman story is him being the world's greatest detective and it making sense. And not just, well, I just knew like, there's a lot of him being like, oh, I just knew that this is what would happen. And now that, that that it has, I know what's going to happen next. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, where's the fun in that? Where's There's no story. In that. Right, exactly. I need the paper trail. Yeah. 
I did actually really like the idea of two Harleys. Yeah. I I really found that interesting. That was a really interesting thing. I wasn't against it. So for those who haven't read it yet, and again, spoilers, the idea is that the first Harley, the original Harley in the full spandex suit is Harley 1. And then when you see her change her costume to kind of what it is today, the idea is that she's that's a different person. That's a second Harley that the Joker found. And the first Harley kind of just went away. And didn't even realize. Like, he just was like, you're Harley. Like, he was in a, he was robbing a bank. Right. And there was a blonde woman there. And then he just started calling her Harley. Harley. And she, just and sort she of went along with it. with it. And then she's the new Harley. Which I, when I realized what was going on, I was like, that's it. Yeah, and they even have different names. Like, her name isn't uh, Harleen Quinzel. It's something else, but I can't remember But what. I just love, I was like, when I realized what was going on, I was like, that's a brilliant idea. And it makes sense. You know, you have these, sometimes you will have these like big transitions with the character where they have a brand new costume that's so vastly different from the other one. And you think it's just a a character's design. I'm like, you incorporate that into what the history of the character is. It's even more brilliant. I was like, that is a a brilliant idea. Yeah. And I like that it's a cool idea to make one of the Harleys. I, I don't know how I feel about the name Neo Joker, but like to have... One of the Harleys be like, no, I'm I'm filling this this, you know, cavern left by the Joker. Right. Yeah, I wasn't wild on the name, but I was wild on the idea. Yeah. All right. Well, that actually sounds like I'm pleasantly surprised on your reaction to it. I wasn't sure what you were going to feel about it, but I'm pretty, pretty. Yeah, happy I mean, good and bad, but mostly I think it passes. Cool. Awesome. Um, do you have a reading assignment for me? I have been keeping myself I have a feeling from texting you. you. All right. What? I, I, no, I had a feeling you wouldn't have one. So it's okay if you do. I have had one since before I started reading this comic. Okay. And I have been struggling so hard not to tell you about it. Okay. I have such a treat for you. Okay. Are you sitting down? I am. Here's what I have for you. A documentary called The Engoodening of no man's sky oh my god it's a documentary yes about the creators of the game yes and everything they went through yes and where they've been and what they've done a since. thousand where times they got started, yes what went into oh the creation of no man's sky oh man <laughs> this is so perfect i mean if you want to talk about like i just gave you a reading assignment of a of the third act of batman this documentary and this reading assignment is like the third act. Like this is the finale reading assignment for this podcast. I'm so happy. Oh my god! Actually, Ben from Canada posted it on Twitter and was like, "This is the best documentary I've ever seen." And I was like, "What is this?" And I clicked on it and I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, it brings everything so full circle. Oh my gosh! Yep. This is amazing. Okay. All right. Where I've can watched I f- it three times already. Where can I find this? I'll send it to you. It's on YouTube. Okay, great. Okay, fantastic. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this. All right. How long is it? Is it full length? It's an hour long. Oh, shut the fuck up. That's amazing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm really excited about this. Okay. It's awesome. so good. Ah, oh, this is perfect. This is, I, I very rarely looked forward to a reading assignment this much. Awesome. Okay. All right. Let's get out of here because I might watch this tonight. Okay.
That's it. We're done. I'm not even going to do the bullshit we did because it. we're done. All right. Andrew. Yeah. Where can they find us? They can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. They can find us on SoundCloud.com slash the media lunch break. You can, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to do this again. You can send us a tweeter on Twitter. I, I hate that so much. Uh, our handle is at media lunch nope, break. You're stuck with it, asshole. You can also find us on Facebook. You can check out our pics on Instagram where you can do Ooh, an Instagram. I don't know if I like that one. Gram of Coke. You can find us on youtube.com slash the media lunch break you can send us money right now if you go to patreon.com slash the media lunch break fill out send money right now your email put in your email make a password put in your credit card info and uh give us money you can also send us an email at the media lunch break at gmail.com or you can visit our website www.themedialunchbreak.com thank you to julie who is still a patron for some stupid reason oh man she probably doesn't realize she's still doing it right That has to be right. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, next time, you know what we're going to talk about, Andrew, next time? Um, No Man's Sky. Neither do I. (laughs) But I'm sure we'll figure out something until then. Yeah. But until then, thanks so much, everybody. This This has been real fun. This has been a real nice clam bake. Is that how I'm going to end this? It feels anticlimactic to end it this way, doesn't it? I'm so hungry. I was planning on ordering Domino's tonight, but I don't think that's going to happen. Hey, man, I'm half a bottle of wine in. You don't have to talk to me. All right? I get it. Did you get your croissant? Croissant? No, because my wife did not go to get donuts. Wow. She said she would go out. She said she was like, I'm going to go out and get donuts. I was like, that'll be perfect because I'm recording. And then you can come back and I can have a donut. Blah, 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 blah. She got no donuts. I have no donuts, Andrew. How many donuts? If you multiply the amount of donuts I have by any number, you know what you come up with? Still no donuts. Would you say you have no nits? I'm going to end the podcast now.